This episode of the MedBullet Step 1 podcast will go over the topic of opiates from the neurology section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 22-year-old male is brought into the emergency department by the police due to depressed mental status. He was found in the park with an empty syringe by his side. Vital signs are notable for a respiratory rate of 7 breaths per minute. Physical exam is significant for bilateral track marks and meiotic pupils. Now, let's get into the episode. So as a quick introduction, opioids act on mu, kappa, and delta transmembrane receptors in the central and peripheral nervous system. The mu receptors are the most important. Mu, kappa, and delta receptors are G-protein coupled, and they cause inhibition of adenylylcyclase, which leads to decreased cyclic AMP concentration, which leads to increased potassium conductance plus decreased calcium conductance. It inhibits presynaptic neurotransmitter release and subsequently prevents the release of acetylcholine, norepinephrine, serotonin, glutamate, and substance P. It also inhibits postsynaptic depolarization. Endorphins, enkephalins, and dynorphins are all examples of endogenous opioid peptides. In terms of pharmacokinetics, morphine, hydromorphone, and oxymorphone undergo first-pass metabolism. Morphine gets metabolized to morphine-6-glucoronide, which is highly active, and is known as the active analgesic. Opioids are generally metabolized by the liver into inactive gluconeride conjugates, and after metabolism, they get excreted by the kidneys. Codeine, oxycodone, and hydrocodone are metabolized by hepatic cytochrome enzymes. Cytochrome has genetic variability, which leads to variable analgesic response. Meperidine can get metabolized to normoperidine and demethylation. Normoperidine can lead to anxiety, tremors, and seizures. Heroin gets metabolized into 6-monoacetylmorphine, which can be detected on urine screening. Now, let's talk about clinical uses of opioids. Remember that physicians should assess patients' pain medication history prior to prescribing opioids. So now let's go over the drug classification for opioids with respect to subclass and the specific medications. So starting with agonists, examples of medications include morphine, fentanyl, meperidine, and codeine, which are all used for pain management. Methadone is another example of an agonist that is used for detoxification and maintenance or agonist treatment of opioid addiction. It can also be used for pain management and has a relatively slow onset of action at 30 minutes and a long half-life at one day. Moving on to mixed agonist antagonists, an example of this type of medication is buprenorphine which is used for maintenance treatment of opioid addiction, pain management, and withdrawal symptoms. Moving on to antagonists, examples of these medications include naltrexone, methylnaltrexone, and naloxone. Naltrexone is used in the treatment of alcohol dependence and is also used in the prevention of opioid relapse as it blocks the effects of opioids if used. Methylnaltrexone is used for opioid-induced constipation, and naloxone is used for opioid overdose for reversal of opioid depression. Moving on to antitussives, examples of these medications include dextromethorphan and codeine. Other medications include tramadol, butorphanol, and loperamide-slash-diphenoxylate. Tramadol is used for pain management, as is butorphanol, and loperamide-slash-diphenoxylate manages diarrhea. Now let's talk about opiate pharmacologic effects by system. So starting with the central nervous system, side effects can include analgesia, euphoria slash dysphoria, meiosis, and know that tolerance does not develop in meiosis, sedation, and cough reflex inhibition. 
Cardiovascular side effects include vasodilation and hypotension. Pulmonary side effects include respiratory depression. Gastrointestinal side effects include constipation, and know that tolerance does not develop to constipation. Other gastrointestinal side effects include increased tone slash pressure in the biliary sphincter, as well as nausea and vomiting. General urinary side effects include urinary retention and possibly prolonging labor. Endocrine side effects include increasing antidiuretic hormone or ADH and prolactin secretion, as well as decreasing luteinizing hormone or LA secretion. Finally, dermatological side effects include pruritus and flushing. Moving on to opioid toxicity, let's talk about the acute overdose triad, tolerance, withdrawal side effects, and drug-specific side effects. So in terms of acute overdose triad, this is meiosis, respiratory depression, and coma. And the respiratory depression is due to a decreased response to increased PCO2. In terms of opioid tolerance, this is secondary to a decrease in the pharmacological effect after prolonged drug use, and is secondary to downregulation of opioid receptors. Remember once again that meiosis and constipation are not affected by tolerance. NMDA receptor antagonists, for example ketamine and delta receptor antagonists, have been reported to prevent opioid tolerance. Moving on to withdrawal side effects, this can include pain originating from the CNS, flu-like symptoms like lacrimation, sweating, rhinorrhea, salivation, as well as muscle cramps and spasms, yawning, and diarrhea. Finally, moving on to drug-specific side effects, meperidine may cause seizures and serotonin syndrome with use of MAOIs slash SSRIs, and also know that meperidine is the only opioid to cause midriasis versus meiosis, which are pinpoint pupils. Finally, nalbufene may cause hallucinations. Now, let's end this review session talking about some contraindications for the use of opioids. So, head trauma is a contraindication as increased PCO2 can cause vasodilation and increased intracranial pressure. Pulmonary dysfunction is another contraindication as the patient may not be able to compensate for respiratory depression. Liver-slash-kidney dysfunction is another contraindication as poor excretion mechanisms may result in accumulation of the opioids. Adrenal-slash-thyroid deficiencies are another contraindication as opiates may show greater effects. And finally, pregnancy is a contraindication for the use of opioids as the fetus may show dependency. However, the exception is meperidine. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, A medicinal chemist performs research on the molecular structure of various opiate compounds in order to discover novel, clinically useful members of this drug class. He creates a compound that appears to decrease the plasma conductance of calcium in cells. When administering this drug to rodents, he finds that the drug does not appear to affect the pain tolerance or level of sedation of these animals. He then combines this compound with morphine and administers the mixture to animals and finds that the animals are equally sedated with or without this new compound. Finally, he administers a radio-labeled compound and finds that the compound appears to be concentrated selectively in the medulla of the brainstem. Which of the following medication is most analogous to the activity of this new compound? And the choices are 1. Buprenorphine, 2. Dextromethorphan, 3. Loperamide, 4. Morphine, and 5. Tramadol. The correct answer to this question is 2. Dextromethorphan. So this drug that decreases calcium conductance, does not affect analgesia, and binds to the medulla of the brainstem, most likely functions as an antitussive analogous to dextromethorphan. 
Dextromethorphan is an opioid that does not have the central analgesic or sedating effects of other members of the class. Instead, it functions as an NMDA receptor antagonist that decreases the conductance of calcium across the plasma membrane of neurons. Notably, it binds selectively to the medulla of the brainstem where it interacts with cough centers such as the pre-Botzinger complex. Therefore, it is used to suppress cough in a large variety of over-the-counter medications. Another opioid medication that primarily functions as an antitussive is codeine. However, this medication has more central analgesic effects compared with dextromethorphan. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, buprenorphine, is an opioid that functions as a partial agonist of the mu opioid receptors. It is used in treatment of opioid use disorder because it suppresses the high that patients experience by occupying receptors with higher affinity compared with full agonists. It can also precipitate withdrawal when used because it will remove full agonists from receptors. Answer 3, loperamide, is an opioid that is used to decrease diarrhea. It has selectivity for the enteric nervous system rather than the medulla of the brainstem. It is contraindicated in bacterial diarrhea. Answer 4, morphine is a classic mu-opioid receptor agonist that is used in pain control. It would increase pain tolerance as well as provide sedation. And finally, answer 5, tramadol is a weak agonist of the mu-opioid receptor that is used for pain control as an intermediate between stronger opioids and non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. To quickly go over the bullet summary, dextromethorphan is an opioid class drug that is primarily used as an anti-tussive agent. And moving on to the next question, a forensic scientist receives a substance for evaluation that was found on an unconscious patient. She discovers that the substance binds to and activates opioid receptors in the central and peripheral nervous system. She discovers that this activation occupies all available receptors at maximal response. Kinetically, she discovers that the substance has an onset of action of about 30 minutes and that it decays with a half-life of about 24 hours. Which of the following substances was most likely found on this patient? And the choices are 1. Buprenorphine 2. Fentanyl 3. Methadone 4. Naloxone and 5. Naltrexone The correct answer to this question is 3. Methadone So this substance appears to be a full agonist of the opioid receptor with a slow onset and long half-life. These characteristics most likely describe methadone. Drugs that target the opioid receptor can be divided into mu agonists, partial agonists, and antagonists, as well as drugs that are used for peripheral side effects. Agonists can be divided into fast-acting agonists that are analgesics, such as morphine, as well as drugs of abuse, such as fentanyl, and slow-acting agonists that are maintenance drugs, such as methadone. Methadone can be used for maintenance therapy because it has a much slower onset of action, reducing the high experienced by patients with opioid use disorder. It will then occupy most of the receptors for up to 24 hours, preventing patients from getting an additional high with drugs of abuse. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, buprenorphine, is a partial agonist at the mu opioid receptor that is used for maintenance therapy in opioid use disorder. It would not have a maximal response at these receptors. Answer 2, fentanyl, is a rapid activating full agonist at the mu opioid receptor that is a drug of abuse. It would have a very fast onset of action and a relatively short half-life between 4 to 8 hours compared with methadone. Answer 4. Naloxone is a short-acting mu opioid receptor antagonist that is used for acute reversal of opioid overdose in patients. It would inhibit activity at this receptor rather than increase activity at the receptor. 
And finally, answer five, naltrexone is a long-acting mu opioid receptor antagonist that is used in the treatment of alcohol dependence and in the prevention of opioid use disorder relapse. To leave you with the bullet summary, methadone is a full mu opioid agonist that can be used for maintenance because of its slow onset of action and long half-life. Moving on to the next question. A 27-year-old unconscious man is brought to the ED by EMS. He was found face down in the middle of the sidewalk at 2 a.m. The patient is disheveled and smells of alcohol. Physical exam reveals bruising and ecchymosis at the right temple and 1 millimeter pupils bilaterally. His temperature is 97.1 degrees Fahrenheit or 36.3 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 84 over 58 millimeters of mercury. Pulse is 71 per minute. And respirations are 8 per minute. Following initial stabilization and respiratory support, what is the best next step for this patient? And the choices are 1. Buprenorphine 2. Flumazenil 3. Glucose 4. Naloxone and 5. Warming blankets The correct answer to this question is 4. Naloxone So the patient is currently experiencing an opioid overdose, which characteristically presents with constricted pupils. The drug of choice to treat an opioid overdose is naloxone, which is an opioid antagonist. Opioid intoxication classically presents with altered mental status, decreased respiratory rate, decreased bowel sounds, and constricted pupils. However, it's important to note that normal pupils do not exclude opioid toxicity. It is also important to look for signs of hypothermia, head trauma, or aspiration as a result of intoxication. When an opioid intoxication is suspected, the immediate step is to ensure airway, breathing, and circulation. If unconscious, intubation may be indicated as most patients have decreased respiratory drive. Administration of naloxone via IV is preferred following stabilization. Naloxone is a short-acting opioid antagonist and immediately reverses the effects of opioid drugs. As it is an antagonist, naloxone may also induce withdrawal symptoms, for example, rhinorrhea, diarrhea, and lacrimation, and should be stopped if it occurs. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, buprenorphine is a partial opioid agonist and is used for treating opioid addiction. Answer 2, flumazenil is indicated if a benzodiazepine overdose is suspected. Benzodiazepine overdose presents similarly to an opioid overdose as both display respiratory depression. However, the mitotic pupils are not present in benzodiazepine intoxication. Answer 3. Glucose is often given for comatose patients if hypoglycemia or alcoholic intoxication is suspected. It is worth noting that thymine is given before glucose in the case of alcoholic intoxication. And finally, answer 5. Warming blankets are indicated if the patient is hypothermic. However, the vital signs do not show that the patient is hypothermic, which is defined as less than 95 degrees Fahrenheit. To leave you with a bullet summary, opioid intoxication is characterized by meiotic pupils, respiratory depression, and altered mental status. The treatment of choice is naloxone. And moving on to the final question. A 25-year-old man presents to the emergency department after being found down in a park. The patient briefly awakens to voice or noxious stimuli but returns to sleep. His blood pressure is 110 over 75 millimeters of mercury, pulse is 90 per minute, and respirations are 8 per minute. On physical examination, his right and left pupils are meiotic without the use of a pen light. He was subsequently appropriately treated. Shortly thereafter, the patient is awake and appropriately answering questions. However, he appears agitated. His blood pressure is 155 over 95 millimeters of mercury and pulse is 105 per minute. Which of the following would most likely be found in this patient? 
and the choices are one, ankle clonus, two, decreased tidal volumes, three, diarrhea, four, muscle rigidity, and five, seizures. The correct answer to this question is three, diarrhea. So this patient initially presented with pinpoint pupils and respiratory depression. After appropriate treatment with naloxone therapy, the patient began withdrawing from opiates, which can result in diarrhea. Opioid withdrawal describes patients who are physiologically dependent on opioids, for example, heroin, morphine, and methadone, and abruptly stopped taking them or received an opioid receptor antagonist, for example, naloxone and naltrexone, or opioid partial agonists, for example, buprenorphine. When patients are in withdrawal, they present with gastrointestinal distress, for example, diarrhea and abdominal cramps, flu-like symptoms, for example, lacrimation, rhinorrhea, and diaphoresis, sympathetic nerve and central nervous system arousal, for example, midriasis, agitation and tremor, as well as yawning and sneezing. Opioid withdrawal can be treated with an opioid agonist such as methadone or clonidine. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer one, ankle clonus can be seen in serotonin syndrome where there is increased serotonergic activity in the central nervous system. Classically, patients present with mental status changes, autonomic hyperactivity, and neuromuscular abnormalities. On examination, patients have hyperreflexia and clonus. Answer two, decreased tidal volumes would be seen in opioid intoxication, not in opioid withdrawal, because it induces respiratory depression. Answer four, muscle rigidity is seen in neuroleptic malignant syndrome. Neuroleptic malignant syndrome is associated with antipsychotic use and presents as a change in mental status, fever, dysautonomia, and rigidity. And finally, answer five, seizures can be seen in benzodiazepine withdrawal. Patients with benzodiazepine poisoning present with a depressed mental state with normal vital signs. Benzodiazepine withdrawal occurs approximately 24 to 48 hours with benzodiazepines with short half-lives. When in withdrawal, patients become anxious, may have perceptual disturbances, psychosis, and seizures. To leave you with a bullet summary, opioid withdrawal presents with gastrointestinal distress, flu-like symptoms, increased sympathetic nerve activity, central nervous system activation, and yawning. That's all for this review about opiates. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullet Step 1 podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.